0: I was just uh, on the stream, being a director like an orchestral director, and nobody was watching. Well, plus I got the got the mic muted. They probably thought I was having a stroke. Okay, there we go. Good morning, good mon, happy Monday morning. Monday's always a good time. We get reset and start everything anew, don't we? The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 989 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Streaming live on the W O R D Facebook page, and podcast is now available at the W O 98.9 ninety eight nine website and on the free Odyssey app. And everybody needs to be getting on that because you know this is di- digital is the is the is the wave of the future. All right, that's why they tell me anyway. That's what they tell me. Let's talk about a cat. What's this guy's name? What is his name? He's the ex-Capital Police Chief Steven Sund. Now, they taped an interview with him. Tucker Carlson taped an interview with him that was supposed to air on the night of his termination. And it never made it. We're talking April 24th. It never made it to the air. So Fox News refused to release that footage. So they did it again. (laughs) They had another sit down, put it up on Twitter. Carlson said, son knew more about what happened than virtually anyone else in the United States. Yet congressional investigators weren't interested in talking to him. The media not interested in talking to him, but we were. So they did. And you should go look at that. You should go look at Tucker Carlson's interview with him. But there's seven takeaways from this, seven takeaways from this that we do need to talk about, because this is definitely deep state shenanigans. Like number one, the DHS and the FBI hid intelligence from Capitol Police. This reeks of conspiracy to me at this particular moment, you know, this is a federal misconduct the Capitol, See, chaos is always good for business when you're a leftist. The Capitol Police, according to Mr. Sun, were left in the dark about a cascade of intelligence gathered by the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security that warned about the rally turning violent. Probably had to do with the fact that there were provocateurs seated throughout there and that this is how they knew this was going to happen because they were going to make it happen. But Sund said that the Capitol Police had zero intelligence that they know existed when uh, talking about attacking the Capitol, killing my police officers, attacking members of Congress, and killing members of Congress. I, I find that very hard to believe that the the, the, the Sund, you know, Sund's talking about MAGA Republicans. But he said uh, they got none of the intelligence, which... That would have been a really big boon to his plan on this. Now, military officials like Mark Milley were very concerned because they had the intelligence. (laughs) So Milley wanted to preemptively shut down the city, which, by the way, is not his purview or jurisdiction to do. And uh, I find that interesting this this actually even comes out like he thinks he can just decide to step outside of the Pentagon and start taking over cities. That's a very interesting insight into you, General Milley. Acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller and General Milley had both discussed locking down the city of Washington, D.C. because they were so worried about violence at the Capitol on January the 6th. They were talking about revoking permits, that kind of thing. But, Then, on January 4th, prior to this, acting Secretary Miller signed a memo restricting the National Guard from carrying the various weapons, any weapons, any civil disobedience equipment that would be utilized for the very demonstrations or violence he sees coming. So, on the one hand, they were talking about shutting it down. On the other hand, they were talking about defanging the people. They would actually have to wade into this and turn this into, you know, pull it out of chaos and actually regain order. The leadership of Congress denied the National Guard request before, during, and well just before and during the riot. Of course, they got it after the after the riot. Sun said that he was denied twice because of optics and because the intelligence didn't support us because he didn't have the intelligence that everybody else had. So, he was forced to beg for National Guard assistance and well, that really wasn't his, his thing. He couldn't really do that. He couldn't really ask for this. He didn't have to, but they wouldn't, he didn't have the authorization. As a matter of fact, in the next 70 minutes of this event, he made 32 calls and got no help. The Secret Service, when they got out there, the one agency to come to the police chief's assistance was the Secret Service. And by law, he couldn't request their assistance. He had to get approval for it. But he said that his, his, his officers were getting messed up and getting, you know, tore up. So he would take whatever discipline there is, send me whatever you got. And uh, they only turned over, that, that there was a bunch of texts that they deleted. They turned over one text from Mr. Sund. And uh, these were subpoenaed by the House Select Committee probing the riot last summer. And the only message turned over was Sund's out-of-order request for support. The New Jersey State Police got there before the National Guard did. How would the New Jersey, you know, there? son told Tucker Carlson there was 180 National Guard troops who were within eyesight of the Capitol. And they were put in vehicles and driven around the complex back to the D.C. Army. Then he received the evening troops who didn't arrive on the scene until 6 p.m. And at that point, the Capitol was under control. He said, well, I'm begging for assistance. The Pentagon sent in resources to General How- generals' houses to protect their homes, but not me. And the New Jersey State Police beat them, the National Guard, to the Capitol. And then they were positioned in front of the Capitol to take pictures from military magazines as the heroes of January the 6th. Sun was not told about the federal informants at the Capitol. That would be uh, that would have been a big part of the intelligence because uh, that would have explained a few things that happened the way they happened, and uh, that uh, that part of it uh, is a glaring omission. See, this guy this guy was a, a police chief in most cases. The hope is that he has a concern for his officers, right? Concern for the officers. So um, this was his concern. But if he'd known that there were FBI informants scattered in the crowd doing things, um, that would have put him in a different posture, I think. And we know that the lawmakers didn't want Sun to uh, testify. And he said uh, he fought to testify, but they didn't want him to testify in the Senate hearing. Mr. Sun was excluded from the lineup because he was dismissed from his job as chief of police after the riot. Pelosi, who was in charge of the Capitol as a speaker, the House was off limits to the investigation, which left open questions like whether the speaker was briefed on the potential for violence from other agencies that Mr. Sun did not get these briefings. He didn't get the briefings. The House speaker even blocked Republican access to relevant documents ignored by the Democrats on January 6th. So this was all quite orchestrated. This is all quite, which we knew this, we knew this. We knew this, but this is like the Twitter papers coming out. This is like the Time piece about the election. All of these things that come out, to the truth eventually works its way to the surface, and now we have the truth of this. We have the guy that was it was his job. He he was the front line to secure the Capitol, and he wasn't told anything about what was going down. He wasn't able to do his job. His officers were not able to do their jobs. He was undermanned. He was uninformed. And then he was stonewalled. And then they fired him for, uh, you know, you're only as good as, the, in this kind of a gig, you're only as good as the information you got. You're only as good as the last information. Intelligence is everything. So, That's one end of police work. Now, what about another end of police work where they go out there and somebody tells them something, they just do it. And it's a freedom of speech violation. What do you think of that? Especially where it's coming from. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, I'm guilty of presumptions sometimes. And I think of the heartland of the United States as being completely shielded from certain things that we see in the blue cities. The GS talking, uh, GS plumbing talk line, excuse me, the GS plumbing talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page and podcast, of course, is available on the free Odyssey app. This is coming out of Marion County, Kansas. And first of all, the, what happened is the outrage, but also the details that set offense in motion to cause this is also interesting. There's a local newspaper there, the Marion Country Record. It was raided by the police on Friday, along with the home of the publisher, Eric Meyer. Computer, and I'm going to presume that Mr. Meyer is a senior citizen, slightly more mature than me. Computer equipment, cell phones, and boxes of records were seized. One reporter's hand was injured by a police officer. Meyer's wife, who was nearly 100 years old, was so distraught by the event she could neither eat nor sleep, and she died. Despite being reportedly in otherwise good health for her age. Apparently the shock of having us, you know, I, I guess the, 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 uh, the Marion County stormtroopers coming through, that was a little more than her, uh, you know, her mature heart could handle. The police claim they were justified in taking these actions, but uh, the free speech advocates are demanding answers. We get this from, uh, I think, Fox News. Kansas police raided a local newspaper's newsroom and its publisher's home on Friday and seized computers, cell phones, and reporting materials in what critics are calling a violation of the freedom of the press. Marion police removed the Marion County Records computer file server, other computers, personal cell phones, and other equipment. Officers reported a reporter and the newspaper's nearly 100-year-old co-owner died a day after the search. Search warrant was signed by Marion County District Court Magistrate Judge Laura Villar. Claimed probable cause over alleged violations related to the identity theft and unlawful acts concerning computers. Enter Carrie Newell, restaurant owner. During a city council meeting on Monday, she accused the newspaper of illegally obtaining information about her from somewhere and planning to publish a story about her. Obtained information from somewhere and was going to do a story about her. There are allegations she had lost her license after being convicted of drunk driving, but she continued to drive without a license. On this and this alone, she complained to the police who went and somehow obtained a warrant and conducted the raid. This is a little bit like me getting a bad haircut, and uh, me getting out there and saying, "What? Somebody, somebody took a picture of this? No, we're not letting that get out. No, 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 we are not letting that get out. Oh yeah, well I know somebody on the police department. Make a phone call. They know a Judge. Right? You, oh, I'm gonna. I, I'm shutting you down. I'm shutting you down. I hope your, hope your centurion mother dies while you're doing it too. And this is a story for this newspaper. Ah, a woman with no license drives a car. And this is bad enough for a woman who doesn't have a license to drive a car. She complains to the police, and then they go conduct a raid. What is going on there? Paper's editor said they initially learned of the story through a tip, and they began to investigate. And the tip came from Newell's estranged husband, and the couple is currently going through divorce proceedings. So why would the paper need to illegally access records of a DUI bust? Because isn't that public record? And how would identity, identity theft and unlawful acts concerning computers come into the picture? Were they posing as Carrie Newell? I doubt it. Um and and here's the thing about this. Um She posted her loss, you know, she posted on Facebook that she had lost her license. And I mean, if you're going to keep driving out there once you lose your license, once you get your license suspended for X amount of time, well, then you're rolling the dice there. Because if you get popped for doing that, well, then you're going to ha- not going to have a license for a little bit longer. So I want to know what are the hidden details that justify this kind of a raid where you bust in there so hard and you shock somebody, some elderly person so bad that they die a day later because they're just so overwrought and the shock to their system is bad. Where you're seizing computers and hard drives and all this other stuff because the story is woman has license suspended and keeps driving car. Now, maybe Ms. Newell is really popular locally and maybe she has some contacts and friends on the police force and she didn't want the embarrassing story coming out so she convinced the cops to go after the newspaper and a judge went along with the plan and don't get me wrong journalists uh (laughs) yeah this is this is probably true uh on the text line they're saying this is how the red flag law would pan out and it's exactly right that's exactly right somebody makes a complaint No justification, no evidence, no nothing. And this is what, you know, so you're watching a sports, a sports event, right? Maybe you hate the New England Patriots during Tom Brady's reign. And you get out there and Tom Brady beats your team at the very last minute. And you're looking at at TV in front of all these people screaming, Brady, you're a dead man. Then later on, one of your relatives, who you sort of have an axe to grind with, she reports you to the cops. And at oh, oh dark 30, they come to your house and say, ah, Mr. Doe, we're here today to take your guns. Because This is exactly what happened to this uh, newspaper. Journalists are not completely immune from law enforcement. But normally what they do is they issue a subpoena. They don't ride in heavy. They don't ninja up. And, uh, you know. If you got a journalist that's out there and he's a human trafficker, also has a place in the drug cartel who's also a hitman for the local Gambino family, okay, maybe you go in heavy against him, but if it's just about a story, well, then that's not something you do. There was this movie called, the, uh, what was it called? Necessary Roughness. And in one part, it's a football story, and the, the, foot, the football team, the college football team, they're they're scrimmaging a prison football team that's nothing but an all star list of former NFL players. Ben Davidson is one of them. He grabs a, he grabs the quarterback by the by the shirt, and the quarterback goes, "What are you in for?" And he goes, "Computer fraud." Yeah, computer fraud is not one of those kind of crimes where you you know th- this is not done by hardened criminals. And they didn't even do it. You know, they're just. Gathering information and doing a story. How do they think this whole news thing works? You got to get information to make the story out. You got to try to be accurate about it. I get disappointed in the media all the time. I get disappointed in the media all the time. But uh, here's the thing. The only one breaking the law here was Carrie Newell. She broke the law by driving while intoxicated. Then she kept on driving. And then she went to the police and said, this guy knows I lost my license and he's going to make a story about I keep on driving. If she drove up there, if I were the cops, I'd be like, how'd you get here, Carrie? So the media is uh, always disappointing to me. And, uh, you know, it'd be great to like go in heavy with a bunch of uh, battle rattle. The sconce guys and go through the New York Times just to shock them a little bit, but this is you know this is not this is not America. We have a generational divide going on right now, and uh, some of these guys may be discarding things that made us great. So let's take a slight look at that, shall we? This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. I was just listening to that AP report, and it reminded me of something my father used to tell me when I was a young man. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line was 71307. I was raised in a different era, right? I was raised in a polite era, and sometimes if I was acting out, my father would simply very quietly tell me, you know, you're supposed to be seen and not heard, and I would listen. So they are attributing the increase in suicide to, to guns. And, uh, with, and they, they get it sort of half right because of the lack of, um, of uh, mental treatment. But a lot of it has to do with the generational warfare that we're in the middle of right now. Right now, the millennials are accusing my age group of ruining everything. People in my age group call the younger generations a bunch of lazy, stupid kids. So what we need to do, and Dr. Jean Twinga wrote a book called Generations, trying to examine, and she's even handed to a fault on this, but she's trying to examine uh, each generation based upon their merits or whatever they may have going on. So you can look at my generation and you probably look at pictures from you know Woodstock and say ah ah that's what they were like when they were young and we look at the uh, we look at the you know the Gen Zs and some of the millennials millennials as tiktokers right Now I'm a boomer I came in on the baby boomer side we came from the silent generation the boomers did. We came from the silent generation. Why were they the silent generation? Well, they were the adults before World War II. They were the adults that were born and existed during the, uh, during the Great Depression and then during World War II. They were the ones that got out there. And, uh, you know, if you ask them, what was it like to grow up during the, the Depression? They would just tell you, well, we just didn't buy much because we didn't have any money. And that's it. As a, uh, you know, let, let, let's give a little sense of scale. A, in 1969, one in 25 American adults said they tried marijuana. I graduated in 1979 my age group, 94% had tried alcohol, 42% of those binge drank, 75% had smoked cigarettes, 62% had tried marijuana, 25% had used amphetamines, and 17% tranquilizers, 12% barbiturates, 16% had used cocaine. My generation was kicking it. When we went out and partied, we didn't play. Those And that is a record high. Had, uh, nobody since us and nobody before us ever got that high. Now, in 1967, 85% of all U.S. adults said that premarital sex was wrong. By 1979, that was down to 63%, or excuse me, 37%, 63% uh, were like, okay, fine, yeah. Now, we had a sense of, you know, individualism, high self-esteem, and almost an irreligious attitude. But while we were out there doing the individual hard work that goes along with all of this stuff, we partied hard and we worked harder. Uh, The people that came from us, the millennials and then Generation X and then Generation Z, um, now they have become become like Skynet. They're aware of their own self-worth, I guess. In the 1950s, only 12% of teens agreed with the statement, I am an important person. By the late late 1980s, 80% of teens claimed they were important. When boomers were entering college in the mid-60s, which I was not one of those. I mean, I was the very tail end. I was born in 61. 85% believed developing a meaningful philosophy of life was important. 40% believed becoming very well off financially was important. That flip-flopped with Generation X. In 1970, nearly 8 in 10 men in their late 20s were married. When millennial men reached their late 20s, more than 7 in 10 men had never married. More than 4 times more millennial women, 1 in 4, had never been married by their late 30s compared to boomers at the same age. So, now women began having fewer children later on in life. And for the first time in history, women in their early 30s had a higher birth rate than women in their late 20s. And this was not, you know, was it due to fear about climate change or that they're broke? Most men, most would mention individual concerns like desire for more leisure, more independence. Some simply said, I didn't want children. With that individualism, as that continues to evolve out, then you become less and less religious, right? You get away from organized religion altogether. Nearly as many millennials now identify as religiously unaffiliated as Christian, while nearly three times more boomers are Christian than unaffiliated. Gen Z, if you look at them, if you look at them with a with a you know a, sub, a objective eye. They are the sum of all the predecessors. They have the cynicism of Generation X, the materialism of the millennials, and the individualism that started with us, the boomers. They are a pessimistic and secular lot, gender-fluid a lot, you know, like the Jenners and Jaden Smith and Little Nas X. And some that are actually have, you know, they've done something, but they're more famous for their traumas than their accomplishments, like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles and David Hogg. And this is the the consequence of an online generation. They were raised with minimal moral formations by the institutions. And the ones they go to, they, they elevate the whole victimhood, you know, thing, so... Generation Z is negative and depressed and politically polarized, and they blame it on us. And that's why a lot of men my age kill themselves, because of the constant attack on simply what they are and who they are. Nordstrom's got attacked the other day. That wouldn't be news most of the time where it is, but then there was another element that came into play that I noticed. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I'm going to tell you the most dangerous job to have in the world. Working high-end retail in L.A. That has to be the most dangerous job in the world. High-end retail. Yes, yes, yes. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Time at Planet Text Line is 71307. I am streaming live right here on the WORD Facebook page. And you can pick up the podcast at the free Odyssey app, which all of you should have. Period. So, here we have a Nordstrom's at Topanga Mall. Apparently, there was a little reconnaissance that had occurred and uh that's a good question on the text line on the text line how many of those suicides had their retirement money decimated by this economy that would do it that would do it there's a lot of factors that goes into uh, a lot of triggers for that unfortunate action we hear this about a group of masked looters 4 p.m during the day they came in as a flash mob, and they pulled off a smash and grab where tens of thousands of dollars worth of merchandise was taken. And they took the small merchandise that was the high value merchandise. So, when you're a security guard, which they only ever have one, which is stupid, uh, when you are the lone security guard, here's the lone security guard, he comes up to one of the looters and the looter pulls out a can of bear spray. From KTLA LA, we get this. Video captured a mob of thieves swarming a Nordstrom at Canoga Park as they cleared out the store during a destructive robbery on Saturday. Video captured the chaos as a large number of masked thieves clad in black clothing scrambled around the store grabbing armfuls of designer clothing, purses, accessories, and much more. LA police received reports of the mass robbery at the Westfield Topanga Mall around 4 p.m. Here you have a very orchestrated huge attack. They knew just where the merchandise was to go after. They selected the designer purses and the luggage and the jewelry. These will be easy to sell, right? And they had a they had transportation hooked up too. This was a logistically sound operation. Nobody got left behind. At all. Now, we're hearing all the right words from all of the applicable authorities. Newly elected L.A. Mayor Karen Bass called the looting spree absolutely unacceptable. And they have to be held accountable and promised the LAPD would fully investigate and work to prevent those attacks and on retailers from happening again in the future. The, you know. The, the, the LAPD who has fewer officers than they're supposed to have LAPD is so bad right now in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills has been, uh, organized by the citizens of Beverly Hills into defensive grids. They have cornered the market from the one gun shop in Beverly Hills. They bought all the guns he has and they are now, and they're also hiring a uh, security. So right now, if I was, if I had some money to invest in, if somebody wants to, uh, somebody wants to bankroll me, let me know. Uh, If I had the money to invest, I would start my own little private security firm in Beverly Hills right now today. I would give up this life of show and I would go out and I would do that because I'd be making bank right now. In a separate statement, the LAPD said they will exhaust all efforts to bring those responsible into custody and seek criminal prosecution. Except when they get in front of the prosecution... First of all, they don't even know who these guys were because they were they were masked. So how do they know how much they stole? What if they only stole nine hundred forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents worth? What 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 if that's what they did? This is this is happening all up and down the West Coast, and yet how often do we actually hear about somebody being arrested in one of these smash, flash, and grab things that go on? I don't ever hear about it. They have the security camera footage and they could get some pictures of the eyes and supposedly facial recognition technology can do a lot with a picture of somebody's eyes. Did the vehicles have license plates? You know, did we get those? You'd think they could track down the getaway drivers. But if they catch them, what are they going to do with them? So if they got away with more than a thousand dollars worth of merchandise, well they would be charged they probably would be charged with nothing more than a misdemeanor and released to go take down the next door on their list. They're, they're not even gonna sit there. This is justice reform in action. This is what it enables. They all need to be repealed. The police need to be significantly beefed up. Although I'll tell you what I'm gonna do here. I'm tell, Well, I can't we don't need to do it here. We don't really need to do it here, but I tell you what we should do. though. Anyway, I need to get, uh, I need about four or five more veterans. We'll get, we'll get kitted up. We'll go out to Beverly Hills. We'll, we'll become a security team for some millionaire billionaire, and we'll be making bank and just sitting around and we'll be watching the other places getting hit. Now I tell you what's going to happen though, because people are getting tired of this nonsense, right? First of all, don't ever pull out bear spray on somebody. That's, you're taking bear spray to what could be a gunfight. When you go to a weapon, whether it is lethal or non-lethal, and you're threatening somebody with a weapon, which bear spray is a weapon, non-lethal, but a weapon nonetheless, and you know, people that do get sprayed, they can have various allergic reactions to it, um, you are entering another realm. If somebody's going to come in on something like that and it's going to become an armed robbery, you have entered into a violent crime. And if you do it against me, open heart surgery survivor dude that I am, my bar is so low on employing a deadly force against you that while you're sitting there and you've got all of those, uh, you know, Michael Kors purses and a few nice watches and some good sunglasses, that might be the last thing you ever touch on this planet. But until they have a consequence for their actions, this is just, just going to be more and more of this. Let's look at a presidential candidate from the Republican side and just ask the simple question, can he win? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.